welcome to Nicosia Uncut. Today's episode is special as we are hosting Sirtaf Sonan, one of the academics behind a survey titled Politics and Society in North Cyprus and published by Friedrich Hebert Foundation. The report focused on the differences and similarities between native Turkish Cypriots and Turkish people who came to the island after 1974 on issues such as identity perception, attitudes towards religion, democratic values, relations with Turkey and the Cyprus problem. Particularly, the findings on tendencies towards a federal solution, unitary state and annexation sparked a wide range of reactions in both communities. You can find the link to the full report under the episode page or of our website, which is www.islandtalks.fm. Welcome to Nicosia Ankat. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Sertaj Sonan, who is uh, specialized on politics and political economy, especially in the Turkish Cypriot community. One of his specialities is austerities, political economy uh, of the Turkish Cypriots. He also worked on the recent political history of the Turkish Cypriots. He has co-authored Corruption Perceptions in the Turkish Cypriot Community, together with Ömer Gökçekuş. And he happened to be co-producer of one of our Turkish language podcasts in Island Talks. Andromahi. Uh, welcome, Sertaj, and it is very good to have you with us. Uh, the reason why we have Sertaj uh, with us today is a study that was released on the 18th of March on the Turkish Cypriot community, and it is a study that has received a lot of reactions, and it has been the talk of uh, of the town in uh, both communities. And we would like uh, Sertaj to explain to us Uh, first of all, what the study was about, and we want to discuss a bit on it. So, uh, welcome, Sertaj, and could you please explain to us what this study was about and how it came about? Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about our report. Basically, this was a report uh, prepared for the Friedrich Ebert Stiftung office in uh, Cyprus. I co-authored it with two students of mine who are both PhD students, Enis Porat and Ebru Kuchukşener. Actually, this report is part of a bigger project, a bigger scientific project, which will help Ebru and Enis write their PhD dissertations. It started in 2017, and we had already published very preliminary findings of our project in a conference organized by PRIO and FES in the buffer zone at uh, Home for Cooperation. Our preliminary findings were based on a pilot survey conducted by uh, these two PhD students, researchers. And I have to say that our findings were uh, found very interesting by the audience and FES also, Hubert Faustmann, the director of uh, Fest Cyprus here, we were lucky, actually, that they had some funding and he provided us with funding so that we could realize the project. Sorry for um, 
I mean, this long background. But as I said, the project is meant to provide data for these two PhD students. So basically, it's quite uh, scientific. I mean, we, we, we did not want to scandalize. Uh, we, we did not want to come under limelight. That was not our intention. And we knew very well that this is a very sensitive issue, both in the North and in the South. But with scientific curiosity, let's say, we, we uh, decided to uh, do this. Also, I mean, this was meant to um, fill a gap in the literature. Before the recording, we talked about how sensitive, particularly the, the Greek Cypriot society is about what, how you use certain terms. So now I'm trying to choose my words very carefully because I don't mean to legitimize uh, what has been done back in 1974. I mean, scientifically speaking, this was demographic engineering. That's one side of the story. But at the end of the day, we have to be very careful when we are using certain terms because we are talking about people. One of my co-authors herself is a third-generation immigrant, and she was born here in Cyprus. She has lived here, and like many others, they spent their entire life here without having any memory of Turkey or any connection with Turkey. But still, I mean, uh, as she put it in a recent interview, if she is asked, she says, I'm an immigrant. Why? Because uh, she gets uh, got used to it, basically. If she says she is Cypriot, she is going to be asked, "But where are you originally from?" Because the way she speaks is different from other Turkish Cypriots. So she says, "I mean, as a, a preemptive thing, in a way, she calls it herself an immigrant." And of course, I mean, ironic thing is, when she visits once in a while Turkey, she is classified as ah. Here comes the Cypriot. I think that these are very important sort of uh, discussions that it is high time that we had them in Cyprus and uh, we should stop burying them underneath the carpet. I mean, we need to face the reality and we need to face the reality of what the Cyprus population is today. And uh, um, So what would you say the key findings of this study were? This is not a study which was, this is not the first study, let's say, which touches upon this topic. Uh, this topic has been uh, studied in the past as well. There are many scholars saying that these two communities are different from each other. Okay? I mean, the Turkish Cypriots and those who came after 74. Niazi Kızılyürek, Adamantia Polis, even the, before him, as far as I remember, touched upon all these. So these were known things. But what is special about our study is that it is based on survey. The previous studies were mainly based on interviews and, and other observations. Okay? So we built our study on what others did earlier. So we knew that, I mean, these two groups identify themselves differently. They tend to see they, they have different loyalties, etc., This is not surprising because there is a huge literature on migration studies. So that's uh, something expected. Knowing all these, uh, we designed this study 
as a as a survey, and uh, we used a professional polling company to administer the uh, the survey. So basically, our novelty here is asking these questions to people. So to a large extent, we saw what we had expected to to see. For instance, the group that we call natives, they tend to uh, identify themselves more with Cyprus. They either identify themselves as Cypriots or Turkish Cypriots. So they underline the Cypriotness. Whereas we see that people with immigration background they tend to identify more uh, themselves more with Turkey, Turkishness, let's say. Of course, I mean, this is to a large extent something expected. We have to underline that neither of these groups is monolithic. I mean, we are not talking about homogeneous groups. There are, of course, I mean, uh, natives who identify themselves as Turks as well, who underline their Turkishness. And there are immigrants who call themselves Cypriot. But of course, I mean, um, we can talk about some tendencies within both groups. The immigrants are more religious, I can say. Turkish Cypriots are more secular. But uh, let me also point this out. When you compare the immigrants here, Turkish immigrants here, with uh, the Turkish people in uh, Turkey, you see that those who are here are less religious than the people in Turkey overall. Maybe I can touch upon also our questionnaire. We chose to ask questions coming from different sources, but as much as possible, we try to uh, make it more comparable. So religion questions come from World Values Survey so that we can compare the results with Turkey and we can compare the results with earlier studies done on the Turkish Cypriot community. Because earlier studies also identified Turkish Cypriot people as one of the most secular uh, Muslim groups uh, in the world, but their uh, sample is mixed. I mean, they don't uh, distinguish between immigrants and, and natives. So our study shows that native Turkish Cypriots are uh, even more secular than they are, uh, they are um, shown in the other World Values survey uh, results. Similarities, I can talk about maybe uh, similarities as well, because I would say uh, this is also to a certain extent uh, surprising. The gender questions, their um, approach to gender is very uh, similar. I mean, both groups, there is almost no distinction. I mean, difference as far as I remember about the way they see the social uh, role of women. They are very liberal uh, in that respect. So that's also interesting. What is probably most shocking, I would say, is uh, the answer we got from both groups when we asked them how they uh, see the relationship, how they evaluate the relationship between immigrants and the natives. We saw that majority in both groups identified the relationship as bad or very bad, over 50%. A very big group, I mean, around 40% in each group identified it as neither good nor bad. And only less than 5%, or let's say around 5% said 
the relationship is good or very good. This is an astonishing result, huh? Well, I mean, uh, you know, when I saw the results, I asked my co-authors, are you sure? I mean, are we sure that this is the, the result? And we said, I mean, maybe uh, our first reaction was there was an error in uh, entering the, the data to Excel. And we went through the hard copies of the questionnaire. Right? And we saw that there is no mistake and that this is the situation. So one of our uh, conclusions, let's say, is that there is not one division uh, in Cyprus. Right? Of course, I mean, everyone talks about division uh, across North and South, Greek Cypriot, Turkish Cypriot. I think we can go beyond that. I mean, Turkish Cypriot society itself is divided. That's what we, um, we argue, basically. There is a divided society in the North as well. There is a division within division. And as I said, we probably knew that before our study as well. But I would say we didn't know it, know the extent of this division. So, yeah, that's what I can uh, say. Sertaj, your study has shown us that uh, there is a deep divide within the people living in the north, regardless of how we call them. I think mm-hmm. all three people here in the podcast agree on the fact that it was wrong to transfer population, transplant population mm-hmm. after a, a, a military intervention or, you know, Greek Cypriots would call it occupation or invasion. But, you know, mm-hmm. it was wrong to transplant population and this we do not approve. Having said that, however, mm-hmm. I think it is important to realize that after so many years, it becomes something else. We like it or not, it's another story. But Mm -hmm. when you have two, three, even four generations living on a piece of land and then you continue to divide them according to their roots, it is getting into a gray area. I know that many Turkish Cypriots are are still looking uh, at the roots and of course this is also creating some sort of a resentment. But we have people who have lived on this island for two, three generations there are some people who have never been to Turkey in their lives. And and then you don't even realize or, or know this, but after some time, uh, maybe you find out, because, for example, maybe, maybe they cannot cross or maybe they cannot, let's say, uh, get Republic of Cyprus birth certificate. And then you realize uh, that this distinction becomes uh, something tangible in everyday life. One of the interesting outcomes of this work that you did is um, is that there is a deep divide between uh, the people who came to, to Cyprus after 74 or, or their children and the people who have been there and their children. And uh, But there is also, let's say, a reaction to the question when they were saying if annexation can be a, a solution, I consider it uh, as a reaction to the existing status quo. I think there are so many people who are really fed up with the existing status quo in the North that some people responded in a way that they can even accept annexation. And this number uh, is higher among the immigrants, as you call them. But this study was mm-hmm. made two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, even before the elections. Yes. Correct. So how can we evaluate 
Whether people really want it or not, this is the first question, because despite that fact, there are also a considerable number of immigrants who say that they would oppose, they would oppose uh, annexation. So while everybody, let's say, focused on the fact that, a big, uh, that an important number of immigrants said, yes, they, they are ready for uh, annexation, if it comes to that, there are also an important number of immigrants who said, no, we don't accept annexation, even that. H- how can you judge that? Well, I think that's, uh, th- that's an important point that we, um, we discuss. I agree with you uh, in the sense that people are fed up. That's my evaluation of the results uh, regarding this particular question. People are fed up with having these disappointments. Let's say it starts with the Anam plan. Expectations uh, peaked, as you would remember, in 2003, 2004 period, even 2002. But then uh, came this anti climax. I mean, the, the South joined the EU and uh, the Republic of Cyprus, although the, the island has a, as a whole has become part of the EU. Turkish Cypriots were, although some of them enjoy the uh, citizenship rights as individuals, the uh, Aki Communitaire has been suspended in the north. So that was the the first disappointment. Then came the Papadopoulos period. Then hopes started to, again, uh, raise uh, after Talat uh, Christofias. Negotiations started, but then this also ended with a disappointment and uh, to cut the long story short, we know what happened in uh, Kram Montana. You were there, actually. Uh, so uh, you had this first-hand experience. And this uh, study came after uh, Kram Montana, actually. A few months after Kram Montana, uh, it was, the fieldwork was done in um, 2018. Let me open a parenthesis and answer, address another criticism that this was uh, old. I mean, the data, and we, we don't know to what extent it's valid. I mean, I understand the criticism, and I wish uh, we had published the, the results uh, earlier. Okay? We can talk about why it took so long as... Uh, to publish, but uh, but that's uh, a different story. What I really want to underline at this point is that this is not a public opinion poll about transient uh, issues or daily matters. This is uh, about values and attitudes, and values and attitudes don't change overnight. And uh, I mentioned earlier that we took some of the questions from World Values Survey and the World Values Survey itself is, is conducted every five, six years, right, depending on the country. So every wave lasts uh, around this uh, long. So if you are religious, you are religious. Okay, In two, three years' time, you don't change your mind. If you consider yourself as a Turkish Cypriot or a Cypriot, you don't change your mind uh, over that. And uh, also your uh, preferred solution about the Cyprus problem. It doesn't change uh, overnight, actually. And, and when you look at the figures about federation, etc., uh, you see that, I mean, it's very close. Uh, th- this was something uh, pointed out by Meta Atay, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in a, uh, we had an interview. When you look at the Turkish immigrants, you see that 33% of 
one third actually, are totally in favor of federation. Okay? And when you add also the ones who said could be a compromise solution, it's like around 50%. And this was the percentage of the Turkish immigrants who voted in favor of the Anam plan, according to a study. I don't remember the, the source, but this was the situation. So this has not changed a lot. And uh, also, when you look at the Turkish Cypriots, you see that 42% are totally in favor, plus 26 could be a com- compromise solution, and that makes uh, around 68%. And 65% uh, voted for the Anam plan in 2004. So what I'm trying to say is that I don't think that our uh, data are outdated. I mean, it became uh, irrelevant. Uh, these things uh, don't change uh, so easy. Um, going back to uh, Kemal's question about the, the results, these groups, I mean, neither of them act as a monolithic entity. Okay? So if you look, you can see that also 23% of uh, Turkish Cypriots, almost uh, one in four, is totally against the federation. I think what is also something that we need to put a finger on, annexation by Turkey, 20% of Turkish Cypriots totally in favor, and 18% say that it's a compromise solution. So 20, 18, 38% can live with annexation. So I think that's that's very important. I'll uh, go one step further in a minute, but this explains I explains us why Tatar got elected, for instance. So many people scapegoated the immigrants because of what happened in Tricoma, etc. What we missed, what not we, I mean, what they missed is that if they look around their bodies, their friends, classmates, etc., uh, with whom they grew up, I mean, they would find, I mean, people who voted for Tatar for this or that reason. So we have to be very careful, I mean, I mean in, in general, about uh, labeling uh, people or uh, putting the blame on, you know, on the other we, we identify. So I, I, I find it very dangerous. Let me add this point uh, also. Federation among Turkish Cypriots is favorable to two-state solution. There very slight difference. And also... We asked them what they think about unitary state. 24% of Turkish Cypriots are totally in uh, favor. And even 20% of, uh, I mean, around 40% of immigrants are also, they they think that it's an uh, acceptable uh, situation, an acceptable solution. So seeing this, I would say, I mean, going back to what Kemal said at the beginning, People are totally fed up with the Cyprus problem. Whatever, so, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they see that this situation is not sustainable, whatever we have in the north. Okay? I mean, I don't think that they uh, care about what's going on in the south. But, and, and I'm, I'm afraid if there is a change after COVID-19, probably the extent of exhaustion, let's say, uh, went up. The issue about the unitary state was something that was picked up in the uh, Greek Cypriot community 
I think you as an academic know that there is this expectation in the Greek Cypriot community that sort of goes back to the Makarios era, that the Turkish Cypriots will come uh, to the Greek Cypriots and request to be part of the Republic of Cyprus again, but under a minority status rather than in an equal footing like in the 1960s constitution. So this uh, survey was picked up in the Greek Cypriot community exactly because uh, it kind of reinforced this argument. What is your view on this? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you that you're behind this survey, how do you perceive this uh, approach? Well, I mean, I, I think those who think that this will, will happen are uh, daydreaming. This is, a, this is a pipe dream. This could have happened before 15th of July, 74. Okay? Until that point or 20th of July, uh, if you may. The moment Turkish troops landed on this island, the parameters have changed drastically. So my advice to those are, uh, they better get up. Because, I mean, things are getting more complicated day after day. I mean, if we had solved this problem back in 2004, I mean, by now, most probably, we would have uh, had a a functioning state. But we we have uh, missed this opportunity, as we did in uh, Crown Montana in 2017. This is not going to happen. Anyone in the North who dares to talk about a unitary state will be stigmatized. So that's unlikely, I would say, unless you uh, somehow uh, convince Ankara. I mean, and th- this, is, this is not going to happen, no matter, uh, no matter what. I mean, even if, let's say, I mean, things go uh, extremely bad in the, in the north, don't forget about the Turkish presence here, uh, military presence. And, and of course, even if the Turkish Cypriots, or, or even if some Turkish Cypriots would accuse to this, they are not going to drag the land with them. So, If you mean, I mean, some Turkish Cypriots out of desperation cross to the, uh, to the south to live there, well, that may happen. But as you put it, I mean, they're not going to bring the uh, land with them. You know what's going on in, in, in Varosha? Of course, we know that they are, very, they are doing it in a careful way. I mean, uh, without touching private property, but they are doing it. I mean, this was inconceivable maybe two or three years ago. And look what's, what's happening. I mean, uh, as uh, uh, Kemal mentioned at the beginning that I co-author this uh, corruption perceptions reports uh, in the North with uh, Professor Omer Gökçekuş, uh, he's a number cruncher and he has this saying, I like it. He says, if you... Of course, I'm, I'm stretching a little bit what he, he says. He says, if you torture the data enough, it will confess. <laughs> so if you torture it, you can make our data confess. Okay? Whatever you want. <laughs> what we need is um, basically a, a sound analysis, an objective analysis of uh, what we have in this study. Of course, I mean, this is like a drop in the ocean, what we did. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not trying to praise or uh, magnify the, the value of uh, our study. I mean, this is a, a survey which I would say shows something. Okay? So we have to contextualize. I mean, put it into the right 
historical context. If you treat it in, a, in an ahistorical uh, way, you may end up saying, you see, Turkish Cypriots are willing to give up everything and come under the roof of the Republic of Cyprus. You have to read, I mean, look through all options that is there, all answers given, not, not cherry-picking. So I would say, I mean, uh, what I see when I look at it is that going back to what I've said at the beginning, people are fed up. I mean, Turkish Cypriots are extremely fed up and probably they are very worried, I would say, about uh, their future. And this is why it is very important that you're here explaining to us the context in which the survey took place. Uh, and I think that this is the important thing for us to be able to look at things ob objectively and try to interpret what the findings of this survey mean for the future of the country without, you know, each one of us picking and choosing uh, small parts that might suit either our rhetoric or either our um, understanding. I just want to mention three things before we finalize. Number one is that statistical is not sustainable. It is very clear now. If people don't see it yet, it's because of their blindness. Either this way or another, things will evolve into something different than it is at the moment. And it might even be too late, according to some people. But we need to see it. Number two, it is a shame that there are too many things that we haven't spoken for so many years because these were taboo subjects, because we were afraid of the terminologies, because we were afraid that some people will be offended, and we never had the chance or courage to talk about these things. I'm not saying that we are talking about these things for the first time. There are so many studies and work works which have started uh, for many, many years, but this doesn't change the fact that we are still limited by taboos. And number three, I think it's very important to remember that there are Greek Cypriots who lost their loved ones. There are those Greek Cypriots who have seen their properties crumble in front of their very own eyes because of the Cyprus problem. But there are also those Turkish Cypriots who lost their loved ones in mass graves, just like the Greek Cypriots as well. But also, I think... There are also those people in Cyprus who have been constantly discriminated just because what happened in 1974. You call them settlers, you call them uh, immigrants, you, you might even say that this is the, the, the consequence that they had to face because this is just or not, but we are talking about human beings. In the end, everybody suffers while we could have actually solved the Cyprus problem and to restart for a, uh, for, a, for a better future. So these are uh, uh, me as an activist speaking rather than a podcaster. But I think um, th these are the three outcomes that I take from your, your study, Sertac. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you uh, to a large extent. I mean, we cannot change the past. That's the thing. I mean, I understand people. I mean, I understand people being angry, frustrated, etc. As you put it, uh, that there is uh, so much injustice uh, in this country, so much suffering, but we cannot change the past. Whatever happened, happened. But what we can do is, I mean, we can uh, draw a line, apologize. Maybe um, Hakan shared something today, Hakan Karas and our friend, about forgiving without forgetting. 
we have to forgive each other. Of course, I mean, uh, we have to apologize first so that the other side can forgive, draw a line, and start fixing our problems. Otherwise, both communities, we are a divided community, but we know that, I mean, in the South as well, there is a, a strange situation. There is no checks and balances, uh, for instance. I mean, the system was uh, based on Turkish Cypriot vice president, you know, checking and balancing the, the Greek Cypriot president. These me- mechanisms are not there. And I think because of that, uh, Greek Cypriot people are suffering as well, among other things. I think Sertaj has just summarized all our points that we use as activists for United Cyprus now, because indeed, at the end of the day, there is a non-sustainable status quo, and at the end of the day, it is the people of this island, no matter how we label them, that are the ones who suffer. And that's uh, one of the slogans that we are most proud of in the United Cyprus Now movement, um, says, uh, remember, forgive, and move on. And I think that uh, summarizes what you said, Sertaj, uh, and it is high time we got together as people of this island to sort things out because indeed we are in a dangerous world and we are prone to anything that happens around us and any destabilizing um, uh, development. Uh, so, yes, thank you very much, Sertaj, for having us, for being here with us. Thank you for the analysis and for the insight. For a moment, we have to stop and evaluate the situation. See that this is not benefiting any of us. We are living in a in a de facto state in limbo in the north, but this does not really make the Republic of Cyprus a, a normal place. So, and also we are living in a very dangerous world. Things are not getting better overall in the in the world. We had this unipolar moment in the 1990s. You know, I mean, there were Fukuyama, for instance, as political scientist, you would uh, remember he declared the end of history. It was over. Now we were heading to uh, towards liberal democracies with human rights. That would be fantastic. Well, I'm afraid, I mean, we are not, <laughs> nowhere near to this historical end point. Quite the contrary. I mean, things are getting worse in the world. As we discussed before the recording, in the last decade, democracy is in retreat everywhere, and, and including European Union countries, and Poland and Hungary, they are the poster childs of uh, populism. So being in the EU is no guarantee. I mean, that's uh, for the Republic of Cyprus, actually. I mean, China is rising very, rising very hard. I mean, uh, Russia, the same. I mean, everyone is, uh, every regional power is uh, flexing their muscles. And we are a tiny island state here. Anyway, I mean, it's getting more dramatic. I don't want to finish it. Uh, this. Uh, so we have to be careful. I mean, we have to be uh, cautious. I mean, look what's going on in Syria, for instance, in the last uh, 10 years. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's 300 kilometers from where we uh, sit now. I think we, we, we better start, you know, acting in a wiser manner. Thank you and stay strong for all the attacks that you are receiving about, just like anyone who tries to lift a bit the carpet under which we hide uh, everything in Cyprus. Thank you very much for having me and giving me the opportunity to elaborate on uh, some of our findings. Although I'm not a, a real 
activist. I'm a sympathizer of Unite uh, Cyprus now. Let me use also this opportunity to congratulate you on what you have been doing this uh, for this uh, island. I really uh, appreciate that. Hopefully, there will be better days in the near future when we'll um, you know, push for reunification once again. Thanks.